Are you using events as part of your business strategy? Today on the show, we are talking with Shay Wheat, who is a certified event producer, and we discuss how to leverage events to drive profits in your business. Hey there, this is Heather Zeitzwolf, and you are listening to Get Radical With Your Business. I love today's topic. It is all around events. I love planning events. They're so much fun. I love having a party. Well, we can have a party in our business by having events on a regular basis. It's a great way to get people to know who we are, get into our world, and have a little bit of flavor of how we do business. If you want to check out my flavor, please check out my events on getradbiz.com forward slash events. That's with an S, getradbiz.com forward slash events. And I've got a whole bunch of free events coming up along with some group programs and workshops and all kinds of great stuff there. So be sure to check that out. And now we're going to go into our topic for today, events. All right. Shay is a certified event producer. She's also the CEO of Grace and Ease Productions, Inc. And through her company, she helps her clients create powerful and profitable events. Shay, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I can tell we're going to have so much fun. (laughs) Yes, I love putting on events. There's all these moving parts. I used to be a project manager. I love all the things that you got to like plan. And when people think of events, they probably think of a bunch of things. You know, it could be like putting on a wedding. It could be putting on a conference. It could be a training for employees. But your focus is I'm going to call it more like a marketing type of event. How would you describe the type of events that you put on? Yeah, absolutely. So our events are actually a part of our client's business strategy. So what happens is there's actually phases of event leverage. And depending on what you're at in business, you're going to be doing different types of events. Heather, there's 17 different types of events that people can be doing in their business right now, whether they're starting out and they're newer to been in business for a long time and making six and seven figures, different types of events you use at different parts of your business. You mentioned one, when do you know when you're ready for an event? And two, what types of events? So let's break these down. You mentioned 17. And are these virtual events that we're talking about? They can be, they can be either virtual or they can be in person. So you can do a 90 minute workshop that can be either. You can do a summit, you can do a retreat, masterminds, one day sales and enrollment events, three day sales and enrollment events, seminars, meetups. Back in the day, we were doing a lot of meetups before pandemic. You may not realize this, but Facebook lives, Instagram lives are also events. You've got your conferences, your challenges, hackathons, conventions, trade shows. I'm sure there's probably more that your audience has experienced. Those are the ones that are top of mind for me, for a lot of my six and seven figure clients that are utilizing events as a part of their business strategy. When business owners are starting out, maybe their list isn't as big, they're going to probably leverage things like Instagram lives 
or Facebook Lives, if they really want to do it correctly, it seems like they have to treat it as an event. They need to have strategies behind it. Yeah. Let's start with your Facebook Lives, your Instagrams. These are all free platforms. And when you're really using these pretty heavily is phase two of event leverage. The reason being is you're looking for visibility. Your goal in phase two is to gain visibility. You can also do this by being a guest on other people's stages. So you're on other people's webinars, podcasts, seminars. And then a third way to really gain visibility in phase two is being a sponsor at events. You are going to somebody else's event and you are speaking on their stage to an audience that is the same audience as yours. That's what you want to be doing when you're gaining visibility. Let's back up to phase one. What would phase one look like? You're just starting out your business and you don't have much of a following? Yeah, phase one is the validation phase. Your primary goal is to get clients and get them crazy awesome results. The way that you do that is you start out with market research. You want to make sure that you can actually validate your offer. You want to modify your offer based on what it is that you're learning. And then you want to make more offers. Phase one is you're starting your business, you're getting your clientele, and maybe you're starting to build your list at that point, right? Then you go into phase two and now we can start utilizing these things. Yeah. So you move into phase two, you're gaining more leads you're increasing your visibility, you're making some offers, right? Anytime you do an event, you make some type of offer. So in order to move from phase two to phase three, you are wanting to gain more leads. You're wanting to book more strategy sessions, have more conversations, make more offers until you reach about $5,000 a month consistently. Then you can move into phase three. So you just kind of rinse and repeat all the visibility pieces in phase two to move to phase three, which probably makes sense now that why in phase one, we validate that Mm -hmm. our offer is actually something that people need, want, and require. In the validation phase, part of your market research is you literally ask them the questions. What is the thing that keeps you awake at night? So you can utilize these questions to ask your potential clients what it is they want And then literally create a program, a package, and turn around and go, here, I listened to what you said. Here's what I've come up with. Would you want to move forward? And you use their words in your marketing. It's so common sense that I don't think people actually realize that it works. Actually, I have a group program right now where I'm having everyone in the group do informational interviews and they record them to get the answers in the words of their target market so that they know how they speak about these things. Oh my God, I'm so glad you're teaching that. Not everybody teaches that. That's phenomenal. What type of marketing type events are we doing in phase three? Phase three is the grow phase. And so what we're doing is we're continuing to grow your list and increase your visibility by creating your own stages where you're going to want to start doing like your master classes and your webinars and your summits. You can take a look at some challenges as well. There's a lot more logistics behind some of the challenges, but you want to start looking at creating your own events and continue to obtain those larger speaker sponsorship opportunities. Some of these organizations make you pay a fee to apply to speak. What are your thoughts on pay to play? Look at it from this perspective. If you are going to somebody's event and they're going to bring, let's just say, 100 people in the room that is your ideal audience, 
So there's some type of joint venture partnership. There's some type of synergistic pieces where it makes sense for you to go and speak to this list of a hundred people in the room, especially if you have an opportunity to make an offer, whether it is a free gift or it's a paid offer. We know that a percentage of people will say yes, because you are the expert in your field. You've already done your market research. You already know what it is that they are showing up with, what the pain is, and you know how to support them in moving through it. It might make sense to go ahead and pay to play for a sponsorship. If they bring a hundred people into the room, let's say you make a paid offer of $300 for a low level package of yours. For 100 people, we would expect probably a 20% conversion rate. So you're looking at 20 people times $300 package. You just made $6,000. Yeah. And I guess it would depend on if you feel like you're going to actually get that speaking gig or not. I personally jumped on stages that cost me $7,500 and I was on a panel. Now, granted, I was in front of probably 500 people of my ideal audience I was on a panel with four other people and we got to make a free offer. I also knew on the back end what that would look like for me. So it was beneficial. If I could bring on just one client, it would be well worth that investment for me. Yeah, that is a key thing. When you are going to speak somewhere, find out ahead of time if it's okay to sell from the stage or if you can let people know about where to contact you. Absolutely. Super important to know all the terms associated with it. What's phase four? Phase four is the scale phase. Your goal is to scale your business and your systems. So when you're in grow, your job is to start making a consistent $10,000 a month, having more strategy sessions, having more conversations. You move into phase four. We're looking to take your sales conversations from a one-on-one to a one-to-many model, where you're really going to start to take a look at a one-day enrollment event, a retreat, a workshop. And you're also starting to grow your team because you're not going to be able to do all the things. You're not going to be able to do customer service. You're not going to be able to do fulfillment of your programs all by yourself. You need to have a team that's supporting you and your clients so that you can really focus on generating more leads and filling your events and filling your program. So to get to the point where you're starting to now make a consistent like $20,000 a month before you move into phase five. So you've now built the business to a place where you realize your zone of genius is connecting with the audience and letting your team handle everything else. What is phase five? What what is that about? Phase five is really where you are absolutely staying in your zone of genius And you need to just continue to grow your client base. You really accomplish this by delegating to your team and establishing systems and leveraging things for your time. Phase four and phase five is where you're really looking at three-day sales and enrollment events, those marketing events where it allows you to go from one-on-one conversations to -to one-to-many. This is where our clients are making, with 50 people in the room, they're making six figures. And with a couple of hundred people in the room, they're making one $2 million. These can be extremely profitable for your business. And again, you don't jump there right away. You go through the phases in order to get to this point, but it's been strategic in your growth. That's why we utilize the events that we have in different phases. So you build your rapport and relationship, you build your community, you build your list, you build your team, 
And you start bringing in the income accordingly to support these types of events when they're supposed to happen. Yeah. Okay. A lot of times I hear coaches, they put on a webinar and a couple of people show up. Maybe it's just premature. They think, oh, no one showed up, but they're just not in that right phase yet. That and I think this is a good time to wrap around with that ticket map. Okay, let's talk about that ticket map. (laughs) Okay, one of the great things I love working with our clients on is actually how the heck are we going to fill the room? Now, we don't just go, okay, great. I'm going to have 50 people in the room. Okay, tell me more. How are we having 50 (laughs) people in the room? I want to see the numbers. So what we do is we create what's called a ticket map. And so if your audience were to grab a piece of paper, and let's just say our goal is 50 people. You're going to go ahead and draw a box and you're going to have about five different columns. The first column is going to be the opportunity or the ticket source. The ticket source is all the ways that you plan on interacting with your audience and giving them an opportunity to purchase an event ticket from you. Okay, so it could be like a newsletter, a social post, a webinar, okay. sponsorship, referrals, speaking gigs, podcasts, joint venture partner calls, past clients, strategic networking, all the different ways that you plan on interacting with your audience and presenting an opportunity for them to purchase a ticket from you. We want a nice mix of those. Don't put all your eggs in one basket like, hey, I put in my newsletter and nobody signed up. I sent an email (laughs) list to my webinar. That's great. Only 30 people opened it. We want a nice mix of those things. So I love data and I love tracking this stuff. I would want to do a spreadsheet where I could track this and then each time change the mix of how I want to do this. What is giving me the best result? I love my spreadsheet. (laughs) And we do this on a spreadsheet for our client. We want to track to make sure that they actually come to the event. So what are all the little phases in the map between? The second column is going to be your anticipated number of prospects. We do this kind of in two phases. We've got our kind of like our budget and then our actuals. So we're anticipated number of prospects. So let's say you send an email to your list to join you on a webinar. We anticipate that 30 people will show up from the mailing list. Not say they're going to come, but actually show up to the webinar. Is that based on data from the past or is that industry averages or do you use a mix of that? How do you get to those percentages? So we take a look at what the numbers have been in the past for our clients. We can utilize that into your ticket map. And also we just know what's happening in the industry too. So that second column is the anticipated number of people. The third column is going to be the anticipated conversion rate of them being in the room, actually hearing the offer to pick up a ticket. And what is that percentage that they actually purchased the ticket? So the anticipated conversion, the fourth one is going to be that projected ticket sales. Okay. And then total projected ticket. When we say purchase, it could be a free ticket. Yeah. Be aware though, when you have free tickets, you have to sell a lot more because there's no skin in the game for them. When they put money in, then they're committing, not only with their time, but with their funds. That's why we want to look at all of these pieces of it. What is the intention? What is the purpose? What are we looking to do? How many people are you wanting to, in the end result, let's say move into your program? And we back out the numbers. If we're putting on a webinar, 
And our intention is to sell somebody on like a much bigger program at the end of that webinar. We still charge to get into this webinar. Is there a sweet spot on that price? If it's like a one hour, 90 minute webinar, is it like $47, $97? What should people be thinking about? The more time people spend with you, the higher the program you can offer, the ticket price you can offer. So if somebody was with you for a three-day event, you're going to be doing a high ticket offer. You're going to be doing something that's $8,000 and I've got clients up to $20,000. That's the end result. Yes, that's the end result. That's them being at the event with you for three days, getting them crazy awesome results. Whether they do business with you or not, you must have an event promise. Something that they can walk away with, that they can implement on their own. And really what they're paying for is to go quicker and faster and not fall into all the pitfalls that you possibly fell into. If you're doing like a one day event, you're going to want to look at a low ticket item, something that is about $4,000 or under as your end product that you're selling from the event. Anything below that, if you're doing 90 minute masterclass or a workshop or a webinar, those are likely going to be free events that you offer like a ticket to your one day event or a ticket to your three day event, where then you can make the larger offer. You don't necessarily have to charge them for a webinar or something like that. Okay. So let's get back to the spreadsheet. Yes. What is the next column that we're talking about here? So that's all the columns. That's all the columns. Okay. That's all the columns. So that is the projected number. For instance, if our goal is 50 people, we're now going to go through all the ticket sources. So you'll do let's say an email list to webinar one, email list to webinar two, email list to webinar three, sponsorships, referrals, products, speaking gigs. You'll list out all the ticket sources and then you fill out each of the columns to the point where your total projected tickets, that last number is adding them all up. First line, webinar one, 30 people in the room, anticipated conversion to buy a ticket's 10%, projected tickets is three, total tickets is three. Webinar two, we'll use the same numbers, but now your total tickets is six because we've added three and three. So you do that for all the rows leading up to it in order to go out of all these opportunities and all these ticket sources, I've got 60 projected tickets. And then I want to add like a bring a friend as another opportunity ticket source. And we know that they convert at about 10%. So now I've got 66 tickets. Remember, my goal was 50. Why am I having 66 tickets? Because people don't show up. Because people don't show up. Even if they pay $47, $97, not everybody's showing. That's why we essentially oversell our goal number and our ticket. Makes complete sense because we always want to overbook. What are some things that people can put in place when they're in that phase one through phase two and a half strategic wise? You still want to take a look at some form of the ticket map. Even though you're doing a Facebook live, maybe you're doing an email, maybe you're doing a couple of posts, maybe you're on a couple of podcasts that end up going to a lead magnet. And then in the lead magnet, you're gaining the lead. And then they see you on Facebook live and you invite them via your email. So you still want to do some type of marketing to funnel and channel everybody to where you're going to be engaging with them further. You still do a form of it, just not as crazy in depth. 
you want to make sure that you're not in the situation where you don't have anybody joining you live. When people are putting on maybe these webinars and all this in the beginning and they want people to get into this larger ticket thing, they're going to have people that are going to be like, yeah, take my credit card right here. Yep. And, but then they're going to have the people that are like, I need more time with you or I need to think about it. When they do these events, they should have something to give the audience, right? Some kind of takeaway besides just a verbal takeaway. What would you recommend people do to stay in their sphere? I always recommend at a bare minimum is having some type of lead magnet, some type of CTA where it is a downloadable, it's a guide, it's a spreadsheet where they can put in their date and it'll automatically kick out for them the post that they're supposed to be making or something that's like super juicy and they can utilize it right away. It gives them the next best step to move them forward. Since they're then on your list, then you can continue to engage with them. That's where you end up saying an email going, hey, I'm going live on Facebook for 45 days. I'm going to be covering these things. If you want to come and join me and cheer me on because I'm really super nervous, then they'll be like, oh, heck yeah, let's do this, Heather. Come on. I'm with you. I'll back you up. Yeah. You're starting to create community. And that's really what you're looking to do is create your little posse of peeps that you can lock arms with and create a wave of change together. Yeah. And when you have these events, it seems like the ones that are the most impactful have a lot of community around it. Like maybe they might have a supporting Facebook page or like a follow-up call with people. What are some ways that people can infuse some community or get people more jazzed about what you're selling? Is there like different things that you can give them? Love the Facebook group. We use the Facebook group for a number of different things for all of the, like the one day events, the three day events that we tend to doing the workshops, the retreats, those types of things. But we also will use a Facebook group for when we're doing our masterclasses and our webinars, just to start creating the community in one place. One, that's one location that you can go ahead and market that your Facebook live is coming up or your masterclass is coming up. And two, you can have people that are just going to be interacting with you when you're not doing any those particular marketing things at that moment. You can just be simply asking questions, engaging questions, still doing market research. You never stop doing market research, especially if you start hearing people go, why have you not taught us about X, Y, and Z? And you're like, ding, ding, ding. I'm now adding that to my program. We love the Facebook groups. We use Facebook groups for our events. And if you have team members, you can introduce your team members in it. And they start to know behind the scenes, behind the curtain, what actually happens in your life and in your business. Because most likely your audience, you're just a few steps ahead of them. And they want to get to where you are. Just showing them a peek of what life can be like. If you continue to join you and working with you and support moving in the direction that they want to head in. So we love those Facebook groups. That's such a great option. People are on Facebook, which makes it easier to access them and get them to join. This is all very cool. So let's talk about how people can work with you because when it comes to these virtual events, you see people doing them all the time. And some of them are like, they have a real wow factor. Like you're just like, oh my God, because they have the help of you, Shay, because you will bring that sizzle to it that maybe the average Joe doesn't know how to do. So tell us how people can work with you and what are the services that you provide? Yeah, absolutely. So 
we end up handling all of the planning, speaker, sponsor support, as well as the production for virtual live, as well as in-person events to create that experiential revenue generating and exciting events for your attendees. We'll look at it from the perspective of what's happening with your audience, what's happening with your ticket sales, what is your run of show, what does your agenda look like, what is your offer strategy, who's on your support team, what is the budget, what are the numbers. We look at everything and we walk you through the process. So really your job is to show up, find the people, get them crazy awesome results. And we work with your team to make everything behind the scenes work pretty seamlessly and done with as much grace and ease as possible. Shay, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's been an honor.